We've all heard the news. USC and UCLA are joining the Big Ten. If you haven't heard it, you're living under a rock. But we're going to talk about where they will fit in and compete once they hit the ground running. Are they going to be at the top of the conference? I don't think so. Find out why. Locked on Golden Gophers, your daily podcast on the Minnesota Golden Gophers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You're listening to Locked On Golden Gophers, your daily podcast when it comes to Golden Gophers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. During the offseason, it's three days a week, so through the rest of July, we will be Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, as you loyal listeners know, for anybody new joining, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday in July, and once we hit August, we're back to it each and every day of the week, Monday through Friday, giving you the latest and greatest when it comes to Golden Gophers. Now, today we are talking about the new additions to the Big Ten Conference in UCLA and USC, diving a little bit deep or on how they'll compete, especially in the major sports in the conference. So how will they compete? We'll mainly talk about the sports that we consistently talk about here on the podcast. But first, before we get any further, please be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. I truly appreciate it. It helps others find this channel as well and helps us build this community. We're going to have some fun things going into the season, including a locked on battle for the ax when it comes to Wisconsin week. So be sure to get your friends following and wherever you get your podcasts, be sure to follow there and give us a five star review. So this show is brought to you by a new sponsor of the day. And that is LinkedIn. LinkedIn jobs help you find the candidates that you want to talk to faster. So post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college. Terms and conditions will apply, but be sure to do that, folks. It's free. So let's jump into the topic of today, which is USC and UCLA and talking about where they will fit competitively once they hit the Big Ten entry. So if you if you haven't heard by now, folks, wake up. It's time. You know, that one was major. I get I get some things getting swept under the rug and you missing some information, but that one was big time. And we're not going to talk about others that may join the conference, at least not on today's show. We'll get to that at later dates. But what we do know is UCLA and USC are officially joining the Big Ten, and it could be as soon as 2024, most likely as soon as 2024. What is going to, how are they going to fit in competitively in those major sports? Let's talk about hockey and women's basketball first. For hockey, both of them have hockey programs. Yes, just because they're in California doesn't mean that they don't know what hockey is, folks. Hockey is a worldwide sport, and it's not just to us here in the greater state of Minnesota, which is known as the state of hockey. Yes, they have it out in California, and both UCLA and USC have hockey programs. But I wouldn't consider, especially USC, any threat whatsoever to be in the conference contention as currently constructed. They're just not anywhere near that caliber, folks. They're not, they're not there. They're still building. They're still getting things on the tracks and ready to go. 
UCLA though, they just had their first real season of division one hockey. From what I've seen from the research I've been doing, this was their first year as a division one hockey program before they'd been division two and other offsets, but this was their first year as a D one program. And you know what? They look legit. They beat and handled the teams that they should handle, like the lower level teams or the teams that aren't as competitive. But they also stayed in the fight with stronger teams and even pulled out games against stronger teams. In fact, they went 17 and three this past season and even beat Denver. Yeah, that's right. They beat the soon to be at that point in time, but eventual champions of college hockey last season. Not only champions of last season, it's not fluky. Denver has the most national titles when it comes to college hockey, and they beat them. I believe the score was 7-2. to two. So UCLA showed, folks, that they can hang and they can play in the big games. It'll be really interesting to see how they jump into things right away. Like I said, they're playing more of those teams out on the West Coast, though, so you don't see as much... Uh, top level talent so I think once they hit the Big Ten they could be more of a middling team but at least they showed the signs they showed the flashes and they even beat Denver which is nothing to love at now let's move into women's basketball now USC's women's basketball doesn't have much shine it doesn't have much glamour in fact they're constantly hanging around the middle of the pack around that 500 record whether it be just under or just above you don't see them crack 21s too often and they just they're not they're not top of class this isn't the days of love and basketball for those who know and um you know it's often middling in the standings, so I wouldn't expect it to jump in and be a contender right away with the teams like Indiana, who are balling. But UCLA women's basketball program, UCLA, they've been one of the best programs in the country consistently, finishing as a top-seeded team in the tournament often, and often having single-digit losses. I'm talking 26 wins six losses, 25 wins, eight losses. They're consistently in that range and they're always up there, extremely competitive. That's a program to be on the lookout for when it comes to women's side of things in the Big Ten. I think UCLA can hang. So we're going to dive into football next and then we'll touch on men's basketball as well. But before we dive into football, I just want to mention our friends over at LinkedIn. You know, as the sun comes out and small businesses are back in business, LinkedIn Jobs makes it easier to grow your team. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the people you want to interview faster and for free. Now, you can create a job post within minutes on LinkedIn and you can reach up to or over 810 million people. Then you add your job and then you uh, put a add the job, the purple hiring frame, the hire hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile and spread the word that you're hiring so your network can help find the right people for you to hire. Excuse me. It's why small businesses 
rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors is because they have simple tools. They have screening questions and they make it easier for you to focus on the candidates with the right skills and experiences. So LinkedIn jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. And did you know every week, 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn? Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college. And that's linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free. If you're looking for a job, you know where to go, but I just want to thank you for part of my job, which is helping provide Gophers information to you, the listeners. Now, today's episode isn't directly hinged on those Gophers, but it will be because they, we are talking about future opponents. We are talking about people that are going to be contending in our major sports. So you need to know your opponent in order to get a feel for how you can counter your opponent, but also how you stand when it comes to new competition. So we're going to jump into football next, and this is the probably the most impactful when it comes to expansion is that we're talking football because that's a lot of the dollars that is coming in from these programs that we are bringing in. Now, USC, everybody knows Southern Cal, everybody knows the Trojans, they know the Coliseum, and so, I mean... You know, name, brand, face value that what they bring. It's a top tier caliber school as far as like a blue blood of college football. Now, yes, they have had their fair struggles in the last few years, but they really only had two terrible seasons. Right now, I would compare them to playing in a tier similar to a Minnesota, to a Penn State. In that, in that frame, in that tier of competition and what they're putting up statistically, not statistically, but record-wise, and how they're hanging with opponents. Let's look at it. Their past, what, six years? 2021, they're four and eight. That was one of the two poor seasons that I said. 2020, it was struck with COVID, but they went five and one in the shortened season. So they are on track to do well. 2019, they're eight and five, a winning record, but you know, you hope for more success being a blue blood in one of the top tier name programs with California having some of the best uh, recruiting opportunities available, but they're eight and five. So not a bad season, but not what you expect. 2018, they were five and seven. That is the other poor season I was talking about in their last five to six years uh, where they had those two seasons of struggle. And then you look at 2017, 11 and three, 2016, 10 and three. Those two seasons were more of that higher caliber. That's where you're seeing maybe the tier of Penn State, uh, Minnesota with Fleck. We've seen some of that success. So we're kind of trending in that same area, but that's where you're seeing the Iowa's, the Wisconsin's, the Penn State's is typically in those double digit wins, that 10 win frame, that 11 win frame. And then the great seasons, you get a 12 win or a 13 win with one loss, you know, or zero losses. So they've shown that they can win double digit numbers of games. They've shown that success, but now they're bringing in a coach who firsthand has done it and found success in multiple facets. 
We're talking about a coach that has shown the ability to succeed and win games and also develop and get players prepared for the next level, for the professional level. Not only does Rinkin, Link, Rinkin, Rinkin, uh, Lincoln Riley do that, but he's had multiple Heisman winners on his team at Oklahoma where he was head coach. He's gotten to the college football playoffs three different times. Now, he hasn't won any of those, but he got to the playoffs, folks. That's what a lot of teams, and when I say a lot, I mean 150 teams are still trying to do that. And then he's had a 55 and 10 record as a head coach. All of that put together means that he's going to start keeping top in-state talent home and building up the program to be at that top tier caliber, that Bama, that Georgia, that Ohio State, that Clemson, that tier, that is what the next step is. If he can continue to bring bring in those in-state recruits, bring in that top tier talent because of sunny California, because of the namesake of USC, because of the success he's had in both succeeding with wins and talent development. They're bound to get back to that tier. They're bound to be up there in that contention. Now, is it going to happen right away? No, it is not. If we're being realistic, it's going to take some time. I mean, Oklahoma, he, he hit it from the jump and had success But those Heisman winners, those college football playoffs, a lot of them were coming in that middle stages and later stages in his time at Oklahoma. Because you need three-ish years to be able to bring in your guys, your recruits, and build up your team and not having the players from the last system that you didn't specifically cater to. Now, he's got a jump start on that. He's brought in Caleb Williams from Oklahoma, who he had last year and had success with. He's brought in a couple of Oklahoma guys, a couple other transfers. He's already gotten people to flip from other schools to USC heading into this next year. So this year's class really is a Lincoln-Riley class. So that means when we hit 2024, that is in essence when he should start to see the flashes and the pop that you'd see typically in a coach that knows what they're doing and they're waiting for their guys to come through. I mean, you're constantly building and developing, but we've talked about that here in the show is giving it three or four years of recruiting classes. And then you need to start seeing progress in the shine and all that. Well, that's what we're going to need to see from Lincoln Riley in year three and four year three will be when he comes to the big 10. Now that could be a challenge in itself, Or it could just go to show how much he could really make a leap and a jump moving conferences to a more, let's just be honest, folks, a higher standard conference when it comes to football. The Big Ten is seen as one of the best, if not the best. Most people will consider SEC the best. The Big Ten is right behind them, folks, right behind them when it comes to top caliber conferences so making that jump right there you might see maybe a year of an eight and five or nine and four something around that when they make the jump but after that i would not be shocked if they start getting to the double digit wins consistently so i think that they're going to be a great program to have in the conference when it comes to caliber 
as they progress and build not only with Lincoln Riley, but build upon their past successes in 2016, 2017, where they're getting 10, 11 wins and three losses. They can get even better than that if they keep their kids home. Now let's move over to UCLA football. Looking at their last six years, you see an eight and four season last year in 2021. But prior to that, it was rough, folks. It was R-U-F-F rough. We're talking 2023 and four, 2019, four and eight, 2018, three and nine, 2017, six and seven, 2016, four and eight. No winning seasons besides last season at eight and four. Chip Kelly came in 2018. So you're talking one, two, three, three losing seasons. And then look at that year four, you see progress. See, that's what we're saying. The good coaches at year three and year four, if you don't see that progress, it might be time to let them go. Because what are you doing? You've now had your guys in your system. So we saw the improvement with Chip Kelly at eight and four. I think these next two years that as they finish out the Pac-12, I would not be surprised to see UCLA around the eight to 10 wins, eight to 10 wins UCLA in the Pac-12 these next two seasons. But when they come over the Big Ten, I think it's going to be an adjustment, an adjustment we saw Nebraska still trying to make now as they made the jump over to the Big Ten. It's going to be an adjustment. Now, USC has that blue blood, high caliber name brand that can help them continue to bring in top recruits. You pair that with Lincoln Riley, who people want to go play for because they've seen the success at the NFL level with his guys. That You can't count that against them, the adjustment, because he's probably going to have them right there in the thick of it. But UCLA doesn't have the same benefits. They don't have the same draw, the same pull, and they're going to see some growing pains and some hurt when they make the jump to the Big Ten. Guaranteed. Guaranteed. Now, I'm not saying they're going to be a two-win team, but I wouldn't be surprised if they finish around six, five, six, seven wins their first couple of years in the Big Ten. I would not be surprised one bit. Now, last year, again, was their first winning season under coach Chip Kelly, and it was their first winning season since 2015, folks. I truly think they're going to struggle when they make the jump, and not only because it's just a, a struggle for anybody, but because of the caliber of conference taking a step up, but then also the Big Ten is just more physical. It's just more physical than the Pac-12. Now, I'm not saying Pac-12 doesn't have some dog teams because they do. Oregon has dogs. They have. Cristobal's Oregon teams were nice. Utah has been having some dogs that can put some fight in it that gave Ohio State a heck of a Rose Bowl game last season. Now, Ohio State pulled out the victory in one of Utah, Utah's best program years, Ohio State still pulled out the victory. But Utah showed they have some fight. Oregon's shown they have fight. They beat Wisconsin in the Rose Bowl a few years ago by one point, but they beat them. 
So, I mean, I'm not saying the Pac-12 is not a good conference. I'm not saying that they're weak. I'm not saying that they're not up to snuff. But what I'm saying is the Big Ten is a better football conference. Not only is the media deal showing this because our TV deal is about to be out of this world, but it's just more physical. It's grimy. We, we get down in the Big Ten, not only in football, but in basketball as well. And that's what we're going to talk about next. First, I want to talk to you about our friends over at Bet Online. See, Bet Online is where you need to go when it comes to sports wagering information, when it comes to live betting, when it comes to drafts, when it comes to playoffs, championships, regular seasons, futures, you name it, folks, you can find it on Bet Online. They're giving you more lines, more props, and more odds than ever. So be sure to head on over to Bet Online to check out the latest trends and actions. Bet Online, where the game starts. All right, folks, I want to thank you again for making Lockdown Gophers your first listen when it comes to Gopher sports. Now, if you know me and you've listened to the podcast, you can see it in my banner back there. I'm a Celtics fan through and through. And you're like, whoa, whoa. Some of you might have came on here like, whoa, why are you rocking a Lakers jersey or a Celtics fan? Folks, we always got love for Kobe. And we got number eight Kobe, too. So we have love for Kobe. I just had to stress that. I know it has nothing to do with the Gophers, but I had to put that out there because, you know, Kobe, we always got love for him. RIP. But it's all about the Mamba mentality. It's all about grinding and having the journey continue. And that's what we're going to do here on this podcast is continuing to grind and give you the latest and greatest when it comes to Gophers sports. This is a show where we always continue to row through the rain, through the shine. That's what we're going to do. And we're going to talk about this week, Gophers hockey as well with the NHL draft coming up. That's going to come on later shows this week. So be sure to tune in, be sure to subscribe, but let's close the show off with basketball and how these two programs will make the transition in the big 10 and will they be competitive right away? Now UCLA, I believe they're more intriguing for basketball than they were for football as we had just discussed. And I think, I don't think I've, done the research they've been a 20 plus win team nearly every season for the last five years now I say nearly because they had a 19 win season in there so they're right up there folks but they haven't had a losing season since 2015 they play more of a pace and space style they run and gun a little bit more and it's not really what you're used to seeing in the Big Ten, where it's more physicality and more defensive branded basketball, just like those hard-nosed, low-scoring fought games in the Big Ten, that's not what UCLA has been. But I think they're still going to find success here. I think they're going to challenge and test the teams in the Big Ten. Now, I'm not saying that they're going to run away with anything right away, but I think that they will hold their own. Now, Mick Cronin is their new coach. He joined in 2019, and he he has honestly been rock solid in his time with the UCLA Bruins. He had second-place finishes in the conference twice now in his three years and also has a Final Four run and a Sweet 16 finish in two of those three seasons at UCLA. 
Notable names that have come from the Bruins program are mainly from 2015 when it comes to pro-level players, and that's including Russell Westbrook, Kevin Love, Zach Levine, Kyle Anderson, Norman Powell, Kevon Looney, Drew Holiday, Holiday, Drew Holiday, not Holiday. Um, but, you know, that's all prior to 2015 and prior. The only guy that really stands out at before or after that time, so more current to that, is Lonzo Ball 2017. Now, that said, they're the most winning college basketball program in college basketball history. No matter what the era was, or we're not going to get into all that, they're the most winning program in college basketball history. You pair that with Mick Cronin, who's been doing great stuff with them. And not only has he played well with UCLA or coached well with UCLA, but he coached well with Cincinnati prior to that. Cincinnati, you would think of as one of those gritty defensive teams, hard-nosed, you know, bigger built bodies as far as like that style of ball that Cincinnati played when they're making those tournaments regularly under coach Mick Cronin. That's what you think of with Big Ten basketball. So I don't think he's going to have a problem adjusting. He knows what he's getting into and he knows what he has in UCLA. He knows what he can recruit out there in California. So I think he'll make the adjustments. I think he'll be just fine. I think UCLA is going to be competitive, heavily competitive from the jump. And I'm excited for him. I think they bring a level of stature and status to the Big Ten basketball, which you love to see. Now, USC basketball, on the other hand, they're also, also typically good for about 20-plus wins with Coach Enfield. Now, he's had six years. He's played nine or coached nine years total with USC, six winning seasons and three losing seasons. Two of those losing seasons were in his first two years of those nine years. So found a lot of success after he's been able to build his program. Now, he hasn't won the conference at all in the Pac-12 in his nine years, and they play a more physical style of basketball in the Pac-12 as opposed to your UCLA's, as opposed to your Oregon's. Those teams are more run and gun, more pace, pace and space type programs. USC has always been, I mean, they still pace and space here and there, but they've been physical, especially lately with the, the Mobley brothers. You know, Drake London was playing basketball a little bit before he popped over to, I mean, he played football and basketball is what I'm trying to say before now he's drafted to the Atlanta Falcons. They found big bodies that can get in there and bully. They haven't had a problem with that. And I think that's going to help them in the transition. They should remain consistent, but I don't see them as a team that is going to consistently contend. I think they'll be consistent. I think they'll be a team that could finish fourth in the Big Ten year in, year out. I think they could get 22 to 25 wins year in, year out. But I don't see them winning the conference. I just see other teams consistently being able to top them. So one thing that was funny, if you haven't listened to the Roundtable Emergency Pod, we have that posted from last week as well. But our Locked On USC host mentioned they're the only school outside of Duke and Kentucky to have a player drafted in each of the last five NBA drafts. But don't get it twisted. Don't get it confused. I, 
I did some digging on that once he said it. And I, I was hesitant right when he said it. I was like, hmm, that, that sounds a little sketchy, hit or miss. Hmm, are we sure about that? Eh, he's right. They have had five in the last five years. But it's not the same caliber and it's not the same. Like when you think of Duke and Kentucky in the NBA draft, you're like, oh, they're like, yes, they have some busts, but they're getting some guys out there. You're Jason Tatum's, you're Anthony Davis, you're Devin Booker, you're Carl Anthony Towns, you're Kyrie Irving, you're Zion Williamson. I mean, yes, they've got some dudes in the NBA. USC, on the other hand, those guys in the last five years, many casual fans won't know who these players are. Uh, DeAnthony Melton, people, unless you're really into the NBA and you have respect and love for the game, you're probably not going to know who DeAnthony Melton is. He was a solid role player. He gets some minutes off the bench, but those aren't the names popping out to you. But the name that is one that likely will carry USC to some success in the NBA is Evan Mobley. Now his brother just got drafted in the second round this year, Isaiah Mobley, not as good of a, a prospect or a candidate, but Evan is the real deal. He is a guy that could pull in some all-stars, like some all-star seasons. And so he's the only one that I actually see to be a consistent player who could be an all-star talent. Otherwise you have to go back to 2011 with Nikola Vucevic and 2009 with DeMar DeRozan, those are the guys that are really carrying the most namesake at the pro level when it comes to USC. Not, not the overhyped and undervalued or undersold uh, OJ Mayo, who just didn't realize his, his full potential. He's, it just didn't work, folks. OJ Mayo, if, if that name rings a bell, he was considered to be one of the next greats when he was in college and it just did not happen. But overall, I think that these programs are going to be good additions for us here at the big 10. Do they match us to the level of sec, especially at the football play? I don't think it's quite there yet. I think USC could get us a next step up and get us a school that is heavily contending for CFP and national championships in the near future with Lincoln Riley in tow. But I don't think we're quite there yet. Now, if you add in a Notre Dame, if you add in an Oregon, can we get there? Yes, I think we can get there. Don't sleep. Don't sleep, folks. It's going to be good. We're building our conference, and I'm excited. Now I'm just rambling, so I'm going to sign off for you. This is Kane Rob signing off. I appreciate you listening. Tomorrow's podcast and the podcast after will be much shorter than this one, but I appreciate you taking the time. And have a great rest of the day.